All right. Hello and welcome back. This is Colin Keeley here. And I'm Brent Sanders. And we are two guys buying and building wonderful internet companies. Indeed. And uh, I feel like the topic today is going to bring things a little bit full circle, at least for me. So we are going to talk about offering services on top of software. So a little bit of background here. I ran an agency for like, what, 12 years, something like that, doing only services. And I've got into this industry, got into the software side, trying to get away from services, trying to not have a client. So it, it does feel kind of funny, but it is something we're consciously exploring and, and are engaging with our customers on and, and it's going well. So I guess that's the topic of, of today is, is sort of layering services on top of a, a software offering. But yeah, yeah. I, it does feel a little ironic. Yeah. So the obvious question is we're software guys. Why are we doing services? I think the reality is most like sizable software companies have a large services component. I think Constellation has talked about about a third of their revenue is services. And it's like 50 plus percent margin. They have benchmarks for all that stuff. So for us, we'll talk about Scout specifically, our business management for dog walkers and pet care companies business. Customers have been asking for it. It's like the biggest reason, like they want more out of us. It's they want more stuff done for them and services is a way to provide that. And I think for us and other people, it's like easy revenue. It's easier to sell services. I'd say it's harder on the fulfillment side. The software, you just scale it up, servers or whatever, or nothing really for most of the time and or customer service to some extent. But yeah, we have to fulfill it. So that would be like scaling a fulfillment team over time. But it's a great way to increase the average order value. We think we could, I think we could probably like double MRR in fairly short order just by selling more to our existing customers. Mm -hmm. uh, but then the question is like, what are we going to offer? Yeah. So I guess one other point before digging into the, the service offerings is to your point around being requested, like that has been kind of twofold. One, I think in our journey with Scout is, has been improving the quality of the service to the point where people now feel comfortable with us and they're like, they're no longer talking to us on calls about, hey, this is broken. That doesn't work how it should. And it's more so like, it would be cool if we could do this. It would be cool if we, these sort of like enhancements that we can do. And so I think this is also framed in, in like, we talk to our, we have conversations and we talk to our customers all the time. So I have at least three to four conversations a week with maybe the top 50 customers. I mean, I don't talk to everybody every week, but it's, it's a rotating crew and, and the tone of those conversations has changed over the last, I don't know, three to four months being like, Hey, you've got to fix this, or we're going to find another solution too. things are working great. We're automating and we want to make everybody in our office billable in the sense that they should be providing services, not like helping schedule things. It's like, that's what the software should do. So we're pushing on that angle and it's been really well received. And so as of right now, we've I guess the, we've done a little bit of, of, we've definitely offered services to people. Some have said yes. Some have said no. We've done a couple of like tech engagements that have really not been charged for it to the extent that they, they kind of should have. And they were just kind of like, Hey, let's experiment with this, which is brought up this question of like, okay, how do you, and I think this is the, the most interesting part of this conversation is like, how do you transition from, Hey, there's these really nice guys, Colin and Brent that will do free stuff for us or do stuff for us on top of our software platform. How do you transition that conversation to, Hey, we, we want to actually charge you for this and basically pass the test that you're delivering value and you're willing to pay for it. 
Yeah. So it's gotten to the point, I guess, just summarizing that, that they trust us and they want to do more and they don't really have, they're not tech savvy folks, really. And they don't really have people to go do these things for them. So they trust us and want us to do them for them. And I would say we are in a kind of unique position where we kind of sit above and across all these different pet care companies. So we've kind of a sense for what they need to do or what the best practices are to grow. So we could probably push our learnings kind of across them. What to offer is kind of funky. So there's two different sides. There's the tech side where I think you have an offering. And then there's like the growth side where I have an offering. Do you want to talk through the tech side first? Yeah, I mean, the tech side is really in... From what we're hearing from folks, it's two main things. One is integrations, which we've already kind of gone. We've added first class like QuickBooks and zero accounting integrations. We've we've integrated one or two customers like they they purchase a specific product and we integrated that for them. So those have been less so drivers. What I think on the tech side that we're we're finding the most interest and willingness to pay for is we have a branded app solution right now, and that is a boilerplate cookie cutter app that everyone gets that has the same functionality. But what we're finding a lot of interest in are people that, hey, we want to do something different. We want to onboard people differently. We want to allow them to book different types of services or even combine different businesses. Like we have a grooming business that's starting up that is being combined with another one. So just the ability to bend the rules for them is kind of what I'm hearing on the tech side is is the most interesting. And that that does relate back to growth. That's like user acquisition. That's, hey, I want them to be able to sign up and start booking right away. We have really ignored historically like the wagon rover competitor model where it's like using Scout, you have to book an, an upfront appointment. There's usually an assessment. There's very little like, hey, book this, put in a credit card and we'll show up at a stranger's house and walk their dog. We actually have a lot of businesses or we're finding more businesses that are interested in doing that and do want to do that and are flourishing doing that. So just bending our typical rules and like making Scout or making whatever software platform suit the business versus other way around, like the traditional tech and business meeting of like, we bought this software, we've got to just work the way it works versus we do business this way and we want to bend the software to us. So allowing them to bend it to their will. Yeah, I would say... On the growth side, there are best practices to grow local businesses like this, local service businesses. I always struggled with like scoping it. So the best ways to grow are improving SEO. So we were already making kind of SEO optimized websites for folks and landing pages kind of one off. We've audited their performance for other ones. A Google review service, like getting more Google reviews with drip campaigns by text. Those are super effective. And so we launched this company, Maple, that was doing just that, but that was horizontal. So it was any local service business. So we got some trial customers there and I always struggled with like, should this be just a part of a larger offering? And then the other request is kind of around Google ads. So if it's like people are looking for Dog Walker Austin, you could show up first for that with Google ads. And people wanted some kind of management of that and that's set up for them because they're not tech savvy people generally by nature. But the, the thing I always struggle with there is it doesn't really make sense to charge a percent of ad spend. The, the normal percent of ad spend charges like 15 to 20%. Yeah. That only makes sense for like larger accounts. So these small accounts, you normally just do it yourself until you scale it to a point. So I always struggle with scoping. And then we had a talk with our friend Trevor, who runs a photography software business. And he recommended this book, Monetizing Innovation to us. And that the whole thesis there is like price before product. And so have these conversations with customers and figure out what they're willing to pay for. 
and like have those uncomfortable willingness to pay conversations and try to understand their budget and understand what they think is like a great deal, what's expensive. And that's like, what's outrageously expensive. And then from there, you kind of set a price and then you back into what the offering could be and what people want actually. Yeah. So that is, to me, this is like the hardest part is the transition. I mean, we know people want it and we, we can kind of float a, a straightforward proposal or estimate. And I've gone through that, right? The proposal, the statement of work, and you execute the work, you invoice, like that's the agency world. But we're trying to, number one, put it in terms that they think of cost and benefit with it. So it's like, sure, we're going to charge you $1,000 for a month of work or something. I don't know what it is. I'm just random things. Or what if we charged $5 for new for every new user, right? It's like putting it in, in a unit that we're all kind of aligned with and like that's the the alignment. And we're already kind of there though, right? So it's very easy for us to say, you get 10 customers, this pays for itself. Like we can see their unit economics. We can see it. We have that intel already in front of us for every business. So we can kind of, yeah, sell those results to them versus like, this is what you're going to, you're going to buy. And we think this will happen. It's like, so I'm interested to see if we can align ourselves to that almost value-based pricing where it's like, we can be, Hey, we're going to make you more money. The more you pay us, the more you're going to make. The other part of this that I've heard from customers that I should, should say is like any business, you've got to raise the demand side. And then you have the supply. So you have your walkers or your pet care providers. And so I, I, I know we're working on demand now, and, and I know that there are a lot of companies that are going through this sort of like, they, they kind of ratchet up the, the ladder of growth, but that ends up being the challenge is like they get the demand side down and then all of a sudden the supply side starts to, to slip and they've got to kind of constantly work on that. So I, I wonder if we start looking at that as some, another way we can help, but I, I really, I mean, it's tricky. I feel like that's where the software comes in. It's like, ideally our software can be a force multiplier. You can get more bookings with the same amount of people and make more money with the same amount of people. Yeah. That was one of the big learnings from going through that traction exercise is like, I want Scout to be the obvious place to go to just make more money and like yeah. orient around more of those growth tools. So this is kind of a stepping stone in that direction of offering services that make you more money initially. And then we could build more of that into the product. Right on. Yeah. So from that price before product discussion with some customers, I think I have a good sense of like what they're willing to pay for. And in the book, they recommend going with what they say is expensive. So expensive is like more closely aligned to where the value is. And then outrageously expensive is like, they're not going to pay for it. Mm. Uh, and so the next step is finding design partners. So these are customers that you're going to charge a lower rate. So probably bill them effectively at cost instead of with margin. And these are the folks that you're going to like actually build the offering with together and provide it to them and then get the testimonials. So deliver the value, get the testimonials and like keep iterating from there. I didn't get as far in the book as you did. Do you have anything to say on the design partner chapter? Yeah. I mean, I think like I'm going through that right now. I've, I've put one of these design partner agreements in front of at least one customer so far. And it's been a little like, I think one of the challenges that we're running into in this one particular case and it, it, so number one, getting this agreement. So common paper has a, a template or a design partner agreement that's on their site that you can generate and it's great, right? It's, it's, I would recommend starting with that. And, and it's been helpful to go from conversation and to formalize this. This is actually more than I would have expected where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll formalize this, like getting this, this agreement in place. One of the things that 
it addresses and that it, it's, it's kicking off a really good conversation. It's like, well, wait, who owns this offering? Like we have one customer that has a custom integration. They have, they want to do for, I'll, I'll just talk around it a little bit, but it's for like routing of like, Hey, how are you going to dispatch your, your pet care providers? And they want to own that. They're like, Hey, we researched this product. They don't own the product, but we're integrating with it. And it's, it's tricky to kind of navigate that. I would say that's the first challenge I've run into, but getting this document in front of them makes them feel, makes it feel like this is official, that they're actually a part of something. And it's different. Whereas a lot of, I think what we've seen in the book, it's, it's kind of built around startups, right? Oh, you have no customers. You're going to find your first couple of customers. For those that are out there that have either tried to do a startup or maybe had a new software solution, it's it's a very good process that they've added structure to, both Common Paper and the author of this book around, okay, how do you get that first paying customer or that first customer that's like, hey, if you build this, we'll buy it. And it's like, let's get that on in some form of agreement. It may not be binding, but at least I can take it to investors and say, hey, we've got somebody who's going to buy a hundred seats as soon as we launch XYZ. So it's not just this founder selling the the tech team on building some junk that they're like, okay, I'm going to spend six months of my life and then nobody's going to buy it. So this is a shout out to, to Trevor for, for kind of putting us on this path. But the book really, I think the, the key takeaways for me so far, again, I'm not, not through it, but the key takeaways have been get this formalized into a document, get it signed, get started, and then have regular what to pay conversations. The how much to pay conversation is really important. And I think it's just kind of opens this, this door of knowing like, Hey, this isn't going to be free. And that's the thing that I struggle with in these conversations is I'm kind of a pleaser. I want to say, Hey, we're going to roll this out. We're going to do that. And, and these are the features we're going to do that are part of your subscription. And then you want to do more stuff. It's hard to transition that conversation without having kind of really good sales skills, which is, this is kind of where I'm lacking is like, okay, let me stop the fun and be the wet blanket and say, Hey, you're going to have to pay for that. But if you can kind of wrap your arm around them and say, Hey, what are we going to, how are we going to structure this? Like we got to build something. There's cost for us. There's value for you. How do we find this? Like, help me come to a conclusion. And what I've found so far is like, people are, are, once you pose that question, they, they empathize and they're like, okay, yeah, so let's figure this out. And they, they take it real seriously. So, so far it's, it's been successful, but that being said, right? Like the impact on MRR is going to be significant. So going from, Hey, you're charging 39, a seat plus 18 additional seat to like, this now kicks us into, okay, well actually it's going to be a thousand a month, 2000 a month. So to your point, a third of MRR is one thing, but doubling MRR, I could very easily see is doing and without I think bogging our team down and without having a high cost necessarily it should still be something we can leverage our team for and not be like oh well I have a software company but I also am providing services it's like the software is still providing that service there's just a, kind of a layer of human sp sprinkled into the mix yeah that a third comes from more enterprise companies that are charging yeah. much higher rates. So for our like you know, self-service, it would be monstrous. The, the one example in the book is 90% you know, of startups fail, fail. People are notorious for building things that no one wants. And so his example is like car companies are always trying to launch a new line. It, they fail most of the time. The one that was a big success somewhat recently is Porsche launched an SUV. Yeah. And they designed it kind of with the input of customers all along the way. 
And what they figured out is like people are moving away from Porsche because they're having families and stuff. And it's not super practical to have a little race car and a bunch of kids. And so when they were designing it, they figured out people, they didn't want to pay for fancy manual transmissions. They wanted useful things like cup holders. Yeah. And so they actually yeah, the cup designed. Holders is great. Yeah. They actually designed a vehicle that people want to pay for and you know, that with features that people are happy to pay for instead of like all these other companies that launch these kind of oddball like feature sets that don't provide any benefits really to people that they're interested in. Easier said than done. I mean, there's an art to it. I think one of the other case studies, I, I could be messing up. This is either Goodyear or Michelin, one of the tire companies switching. They had a, a technology around massively extending the life of tires and they decided, hey, well, we're going to change our pricing model. We're not going to try, try to charge fleets by the sets of tires, but rather by the mile, right? So it's like, let's align our incentives. That's the, that was the big takeaway that I've, I'm trying to walk away with and be like, how can we, we'll just charge you for, I mean, it can't just be the good outcomes, right? It can't be like, Hey, for every new customer that stays, we're going to get a commission because they're not going to want to give up in a lot of that. But I, I think there's some way of doing this where you can put the pricing in a manner that it's like, it's a no brainer, right? It's just, and if we don't use it, we don't pay for it. And that's, that's the thing I'm still kind of meditating on and trying to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we find that, that balance? And that's sort of the Holy grail, right? The, the value-based pricing where it's like, oh, we're all, we're all on the same street. And when you make money, we make money and everyone's happy and there's no sunk cost, but I haven't, I haven't struck that yet for this. I don't know how we're going to do that. Yeah. That was Alex from Ozzy's whole thing. So we had gym launch, which is not that dissimilar from our like gross services for pet care. He did it for gyms. Yeah. And he eventually landed on this like no brainer offer of I'm going to double your revenue or it doesn't cost you anything. But before that, he was charging 10K a month or $10,000, $50,000. And like, I think we just have to start with the flat rate and not get overly creative. Yeah. And then down the line, if you want to do some usage base or success base fee, maybe you could do it. But you need a lot of testimonials. It's like the first thing is like getting that social proof after we define our offer. But yeah, as far as next steps, we got to sign these customers, we got to fulfill them, and then get testimonials. I'm, I'm very confident based on how things are going that both on the tech and growth side, we're going to find, it's not going to be perfect, right? We're always going to find things to refine, but I'm, I'm very confident that we're going to make for, for happier customers because it seems like they weren't getting this with the prior ownership. They were too busy. They, the, this idea of bridging this gap and, be, and sort of forming a partnership. It's like, we already have that, that level of intimacy, like where we are, the, where the software is in the business. And so I really, I think it's going to give people more comfort because they, they know we're there. They know like we're working on it. It's going to give it like a, a total human layer. And frankly, at our scale, like it's totally doable. We're not to the point where it's like, if everybody every single customer signed up for this, we'd be fine. Like, it'd be great. That'd be huge, but we could still fulfill all of it. Yeah. I think the other thing to think about as we progress is like what customer segment or who our ideal customer is and how is that going to change over time? What I'm seeing is a lot of these folks, like they start out as dog walkers, they're growing, growing, and then more of them want like a physical component, like they're going to run a doggy daycare or something. Mm. I think those kind of customers with, they have more money to spend, they have a physical component. I don't think they churn as much. We just have had some iffy interactions with customers that are super small and they get so mad about paying $39 a month and just move it away from that prototype over time. 
that yeah, profile. Yeah, we, we, we fired somebody last week. It was, it, it was funny because this is somebody who we've tried to call. We tried to do everything we, we could do. They, they were like maybe the hundredth customer. If I, if you look at their ID in the system, it's really low and it's like, they're one of the first couple hundred customers of, of the platform. And I, I don't really know what happened. They were like offline and, or at least they weren't using the platform. They re-signed up and they signed up again, right? They reactivated their account. They had been dormant and they came back to a new price, which we had raised our prices. And maybe they didn't get notified. I, I give them the benefit of the doubt because they weren't an active customer at the time. That being said, they were so abusive. So the, this, the juicy story here was obviously we record our calls for customer support, success and all that stuff. And so I, I, I got a, a note from one of our, our CS people and she's like, Hey, this, this person was, was kind of cussing me out and I don't really like how it went and she wants to talk to you and she'll only talk to you. And so I, I listened to the, the call. I just sent her an email. So, Hey, we can't help you. Canceled her account and said it, it won't renew at the end of the month. Best of luck. And she wrote this long email back of like, I would never swear at anybody. And it's like, I have, I didn't respond because, but I, I want to like share. I was like, I have the recording where you're like, I'm not going to fucking pay you guys. It's just like, oh my God, this is dog walking software. But you know, to your point, I think it's, we got to get rid of the customers that, that feel like they're, if they feel like they're getting short changed, like we don't want, I think that's like the, the way I'm trying to move these conversations. So it's like, I don't want to take your money if you're not happy. Like I'm not going to have you abuse our staff and, and whatnot and, and, and scream at them and call them names and stuff like was said. But I think having that, the thing of like, Hey, we'll charge you when you're happy or having a happiness guarantee. I'd like to move to that, but you can tell a lot of the customers we've had historically or that we've inherited, they're just angry. They're, they're very upset with, I think more so the prior ownership and they, they, they channel it through us or right? oh, you guys came in and you did this and you did that. It's like, we haven't really done anything. We've made improvements. We've made some minor changes here and there. I mean, we're, we're getting to the good stuff now, but I, I'm a big proponent of yes, moving up mar market, but B, firing anybody who's going to be abusive and we just don't need them like for $39 that they're just making, they're just making our CS team upset. And that's important that they are happy and feel like they're delivering value. Yeah. Don't be afraid to fire customers for sure. Like you can't be disrespectful to our, our team. So that's, that's what happens. There's probably like three of them in our Facebook groups that would just go off periodically and we would catch it maybe the next day or something. And I, like, if they were plants from a competitor to like get our customers to defect, I'm not sure they would have behaved any differently. Yeah. Yeah. But we, yeah, and it's funny. They, they wouldn't say they're clearly customers because they had screenshots and stuff, but they would never say who they were attached to or like what account they were on. And they had these like kind of anonymous names that I could never find in the system. So yeah, Done. they're gone now. <laughs> and and you, you notice like, and, and by the way, like we have won some of those folks over, like if they don't, and these were people where I'm like, Hey, let me get on a call with you. I've never spoken to you. You're complaining about these. Like when I do get on those calls with people and listen to them, we make changes and they come back a month later and they love us. They're happy. Right. And so it's like, if, the, if you aren't willing to be constructive, like drop those folks, like just get them out of the, the platform. They're just going to be toxic, especially if you have inherited like a Facebook group. So yeah, like I, I, I look forward to it. It seems like every month we work on this, we get more and more happy customers that are growing their business and aren't bitter and angry with 
whatever situation they're in and, and blaming us. So it's, it's really nice to see that like the tides have, have definitely turned and, and hopefully continue to, to go in that direction. But yeah, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to subject anybody for $39 to, to abuse. It's got to pay yeah. a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah, thousands of dollars a month at least. Yeah, there you go. Um, I guess the one other update on Scout is we tried this premium idea for the last few months. And we saw yeah. a big uptick in new trials. So maybe four to five X, I think, but way fewer actual conversions to customers. And so the way it was structured was they had to trip up some number of walks a month and then they would convert to customers and they just weren't doing it. So that was a surprising result to me. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, it was a surprise because we, I, I, we thought the main thought here was that it just takes a longer time to set up your business. A lot of these people are coming from Wagon Rover and I think they didn't realize like, oh, I have to like create my own services. I have to like input a bunch of stuff. And, and I think that the lessons learned here is like, we need a, like a way to click a button and you get all your services, you get a bunch of stuff in a box and then you can go and edit it. Like it does come with stuff. It isn't that bare. Like you can use the product immediately. We got to add a customer like wagon Rover, they bring the customers. So it, it isn't totally surprising. And, and we've turned that off this week and our team is really happy about that because it was, it was a lot of extra work on the support team, but yeah, I, I'm bummed that it, we didn't get the results we wanted, or at least some sort of uptick we did. But yeah, we, we need, we need there to be some sort of like lock-in of like, Hey, are you going to use this or not? And I don't know. I think we should continue working through this. The next idea that I think I'd like to try is, is doubling down on that wagon Rover and starting that, that like knowing there's that integration, like they come to Scout, we've talked to wag before that they, they know our, their customers leave to start their own businesses and, and Scout is one of the main platforms they end up on. It's like, if we made it easy to do that, it would help people bridge that gap to like, Hey, I'm going to hop into a, a new business and stop paying these guys 30, 40%. Yeah. Yeah. I want to pick that fight with them. I think that's a good fight. Punch yeah. it up. And yeah, I think it's a no brainer to build your own business. I guess the one other development in our space is our biggest competitor sold oh, to yeah. like a large PE rollup. I think it's good. Generally, it really made all the Facebook groups of like dog walkers, super skittish. They became super uncomfortable selling out to private equity, but I expect it'll be good for us long-term. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to agree. It's a, it's a sign that, that it's working. I mean, they're, they did a great job with their, their product offering. I think it's been a much more like stable option to scout in the sense that while scout kind of, it seemed to have kind of doubled back during COVID, they really we're kind of building out their services and I think we're, we're now doing it. Right. So it's like, we've acquired it and we've made all these improvements. And as those see the light of day, we're going to be able to kind of pull out some, some of the stops and kind of move ahead of them is my hope. But then again, they, they have a war chest of, of private equity money, but I don't know. I mean, when I think about this, if I'm guessing what's going to happen, if it's like most private equity deals, they're going to slash investment. They bought something, they're going to start trying to reap that and maybe they're going to try to integrate it more. I think it's, it was a part of day smart, part of like another suite of business management tools. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it might start to turn into a bit of like, Hey, we're going to start integrating all the other day smart things. So you can switch between this product and that may not be where 
the customers want to go. So my hope is, is we can, we can come back with a, a vengeance and uh, gain some, not some, but a lot more walkers from that. Yeah, I expect it's an opportunity. The traditional private equity playbook is like raise prices and cut costs. And the Facebook groups are going to go absolutely nuts the next time they raise prices. So yeah. hopefully we could be there to catch them. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? Talk about? No, no, this has been great. That's, I forgot about the, the time to pet acquisition. That's a, that's a good one to, to raise, but yeah, that's what's going on here. Like things are, are cruising. We're really, I think we're going to start to see as we get a lot of the new tech that we've been working on out and in people's hands, they see things continue to grow. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's exciting times. It's also 85 degrees in Austin today and like 70s in the Midwest, I think this week. So crazy times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not in Cleveland. It's cold and rainy. <laughs> nice. Okay, well, uh, take care. Till next time. Thanks for listening.